Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I, myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. While they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Lord, may we explore your word together this morning and come out with a new meaning a new understanding for each and every one of us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. A nun sits across the desk from a teenage girl in her final year of Catholic school. You clearly love Sacramento. I do? Well, you write about Sacramento so affectionately and with such care. Well, I was just describing it. Well, it comes across as love. Sure, I guess I pay attention. Don't you think maybe they are the same thing? Love and attention? Now, I wonder who and what I've been called to give love and attention, what situations, what people. Will I be able to do a better job than the disciples at paying attention to all of the cues? I'm not all that sure that I'm any better at it than them, to be quite frank. I've worried for years that I'm unfit for God's purpose. I've been a terrible Christian at times. I've said things that would make a sailor blush. I've spent hours mulling over my potential choices to ensure that I've considered every angle before defaulting to making the very worst decision possible. I've eaten an entire box of mince pies after Timmy has fallen asleep. You get the idea. Well, it all ended last Monday night 
all of the self-condemnation I have felt since I was a teenager, about growing up in all the wrong circumstances, about making so many very bad decisions, all of the regrets I've felt about ignoring the people I was told I need to love, all of the worries about money or being liked or anything that wasn't about building God's kingdom. It all ended for me when I realized that this is exactly the stuff Christ took to the cross with him. It may not all be sin, but it all looks like sin. It all has the power to displace God and become sin. And going to the cross, as Jesus reminds the disciples about in the words of verses 46 and 47, that suffering and dying and rising again, that has won us repentance and forgiveness. A repentance to be proclaimed in his name to all nations. The disciples in today's story had forgotten about all of the things Jesus told them would happen. All of the things that had to happen for God to make things right for mankind. They were in disbelief that he was standing there with them, and rightfully so. I'm willing to bet that this is the first time most of them had ever seen someone rise from the dead. For the rest of them, they'd only seen it happen when Jesus went and sorted someone out himself. And Jesus is aware of this. He's compassionate about it. He pays attention. So in essence, he tells them it's all okay. He shows them his hands and his feet. He eats some fish to prove that he's really there. Then as soon as he's eaten, he gives them work to do. And we'll come back to that theme. That one event on the cross a few days earlier, that resurrection, that empty tomb that the disciples had been told about, it was one play in two acts. It was a fulfillment of God's promises that God came down to earth in human form to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. The resurrection was simply the final triumph the victory over sin and all of the things that can take power over us and cause sin, all of those things I sometimes cannot stand about myself. The victory over self-doubts and self-obsessions and the 150 things that take my attention away from God every single day. Box set binge watches, Facebook, football, my own fantasies about having a parish ministry where I'm appreciated, a nice new car, a kind and benevolent training minister. <laughs> then there's the endless unanswered emails. And we won't even go into my long-standing romance with food. Christ, in all his fully godness, knew all of my faults and misgivings, yours too, he knew all of this before we ever started embracing them. As the human Jesus, he took it all to the cross. He took it with him so I wouldn't have to. He knew my shortcomings and obsessions. 
and those billions of other people who've existed in our world, he knew theirs too. He took all of them on himself that day on the cross on the outskirts of Jerusalem. He knew it on the road to Emmaus, and he knew it on the day he appeared in that room after his death and said, peace to you. He knew all of that about me last Monday night, the night I failed myself for a brief moment, the night it finally clicked into place after years, years that were spent singing songs about how I'm no longer a slave to sin, fear, or self-loathing. I'm not a slave to any of that now or ever. And not even when I forget to extend Christ's peace to someone who reaches out to me. Someone who really needed it. So let me tell you what happened. Last Monday night in Faversham Town Square, just after our movie let out, as Timmy and I were walking in the rain towards our warm, dry home, a homeless man approached me on the street. He recognized me as a safe figure who's helped him out before. And being the very good Christian and future priest I am, the same man who literally just got back the day before from an intensive week of Anglican Vicar College, I turned to him, I placed my hand on his shoulder and said, I've given you money before, my friend. Like that would absolve me of all responsibility to look after my fellow man. Like reminding him that I gave him money on other occasions was going to fill his stomach that night. Like my duty ended the first time I was nice to him several months ago. Like we're ever off duty as followers of Christ. My friend, what did I even mean by saying that? I didn't treat him like a friend. I didn't treat him the way I would treat my friends or the way I would want to be treated by my friends. That moment was not me at my best and it was really not a good example of what loving my neighbor as I love myself looks like. That was one of the things Jesus told us we need to do after all. Loving others is our calling card. It's the forward to being able to share our faith with others. I didn't just get it wrong. I got it wrong and I stewed about it. This is where I came to that very familiar reminder that actually, we don't always get it right. That's sort of part of the whole Christian journey. We hit potholes. We make wrong turns. We go down dead ends. Sometimes we keep going to see if we're smarter than the petrol warning light. And because God loves us and knows this about us, there's Jesus Christ. Christ died so I don't have to loathe that part of my being. Even when I don't hold up my end of the bargain. We are created for renewal and for liberation from our own shortcomings. 
We're liberated to live for God in the world with all of its possibilities and pains. It's expected that we'll need a few restarts along the way. That's why Jesus went ahead and paid for all of the turns we'll ever need. But this redemptive part, that part that saves us from our own sin and doubt, this is just the beginning. What Jesus tells his disciples doesn't end with the glorious victory over sin and condemnation. He makes it clear that he suffers and rises from the dead in order that his disciples and now we can be witnesses to this forgiveness, this mercy, this mighty act of love. We're saved by his nature and compelled by the action of being saved to share our experience of God's presence with everyone we meet in the world. So back to that rainy Monday night in Faversham. I cannot deny that Christ rose again so I wouldn't have to condemn myself. But there I was on the walk home. Glad to have Timmy with me so I could get through that nonsensical part where I try to justify my own actions. And I could just move on to realizing I got it wrong. Once I'd admitted to myself that I got it wrong I, and had worked through the stewing process, I was able to pay attention. I thought through all of the things I'll do differently next time. Next time a situation like this arises. Things I'm afforded the chance to do because Christ's work on the cross to clean the slate of my shortcomings was complete and total. I may not have had any money in my pocket for this man, but I could have given him the dignity of being allowed to finish his sentence. To wish him luck on what is probably more of an unpleasant daily task than I realize. To acknowledge in a more gentle way that we had met before. By taking a minute next time I see him to actually engage a conversation and get to know more about this guy in the dirty blue parka who always seems to be around the square in Faversham. Because of Christ's sacrifice, there will be a next time. I won't slink past in avoidance, but instead, I'll hold up to my end. He may not even remember me next time, but that's not the important part. I'll give him the dignity he deserves because that's what Christ would do. That is what Christ did when he walked on the earth as the very human Jesus. I will be a witness, an ambassador, and share my faith in the simple act of reaching out. If my outstretched hand isn't taken, it won't break me. But if I don't offer it, I'll never know if Christ is going to reach him through me. In my opinion, the worst sin a Christian can commit is failing to do something Christ-like when it grabs hold of our hearts. We usually associate our hearts with love, and maybe rightly so, because it's the things that make my heart hurt that always bring me the closest to my own faults. And an acceptance of my flawed nature brings me back to Christ and his cross and his resurrection.
it forces me to confront my own flawed nature. To remember that Christ gave his very life and rose from the grave for my sins. And to pay attention to what God is doing and drawing me toward. To pay attention to what comes next in sharing his almighty and unending love with others. You clearly love Sacramento. I do? Well, you write about Sacramento so affectionately and with such care. I was just describing it. Well, it comes across as love. Sure, I guess I pay attention. Don't you think that maybe they are the same thing? Love and attention?